turn to the book of Joel in the Old Testament, chapter 3, as we are nearing the end. I know I said that last week, but I really mean it this week. This is the second to last message in the book of Joel, and I hope that you've gotten a lot out of this little bitty book. If you've been here for any of the messages during the book of Joel, or if this is your first one, you have joined us at a great time to see a picture of what God gives to the church, what he gives to his people, what he gives really to the world in the gift of his grace. And the title of the message today is simply Decisions, Decisions. And I I know that life is filled with decisions. We all make decisions every day. You made a decision this morning to get up and get dressed and come to church. You make decisions to Uh, what you're going to have for breakfast or lunch. You make decisions about who you will and won't talk to. You make all kinds of decisions throughout the day. But the Bible teaches us today that there are a few decisions, and one in particular, that is essential for us to make. And I don't know if you've ever regretted a decision that you've made or you get in the middle of one and you think, how in the world am I going to get out of this? How, How... Am I going to get myself out of this situation? Well, back just a few days ago on Monday, in the city of New Orleans, not far from where I grew up, right off of the French Quarter, there, were, uh, there was a spill of epic proportion. Now, it didn't, the stuff that spilled out onto this four-lane road is not what you think it would be in the French Quarter, but it was syrup. 1,000 gallons of syrup spilled over four lanes. They had to block off a huge section of this downtown area. But they said that the police and and those that were working there were just dedicated to clean it up. There was some kind of a, a rubber portion on the truck that was carrying it that broke, and it just gushed everywhere. Now, reports are it's a very sticky situation, so they're working hard and the police have said that they're not waffling on their effort to clean it up. People have been very sweet about the, the process that it takes. Well, these jokes are falling flat as a pancake, aren't they? <laughs> Sometimes you get yourself in the middle of a situation. Some of y'all are going to keep going with that, and that's fine. Just talk amongst yourselves. I'll keep going. But there's sometimes we get in the middle of a situation and it really is sticky. It really has consequences that we think, I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I don't know how I'm going to be able to recover from this. And sometimes those decisions are best seen in reverse. Meaning that we think that we've got it all under control until something breaks loose, something happens, and all of a sudden we have that aha moment and we see what we should have done. God does a wonderful job in His Word of giving us as much advance warning of bad decisions as possible. He tries to point out as many details as necessary to say, if you continue on this course, this is what you have to look forward to. And in, in that moment, when you realize everything bad that you didn't want to have happen, all of a sudden it hits and it explodes everywhere, I'm still going to be there to offer you the gift of grace if it's not too late. Some of us are just hoping that we can get to our deathbed 
and then turn from something. Some of us are hoping that we can manage the explosion that that decision is going to cause and then pick up the pieces afterwards. But friend, within the sound of my voice this morning, I hope and pray that God speaks to every one of you today to make a decision today that will have the kind of consequences that only hopes and dreams are made of. The kind of promises that come from God's Word if you make a decision in line with His Word. The consequences and the blessings and the benefit that will come are immeasurable. But if you make a decision today outside of the will and the Word of God, the consequences are drastic. And the Bible tells us today that today we are in a state of, we are in the valley of decisions. And like it or not, by the time you leave here today, you will have made a decision. Joel chapter 3, beginning in verse 9 through verse 16. If you're able to, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word? The Bible tells us in Joel chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, And gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir up themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decisions. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decisions. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to His people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so very thankful that by Your grace and for Your glory, You enable us, Father, the time and the opportunity to make a decision for You. Father, regardless of the numerous decisions that are before us today, decisions, Lord, that sometimes seem small and insignificant, as well as those that are overwhelming and life-altering, I pray, Father, that we would bring all of those decisions to You and pray for your leadership, your guidance, and your direction. And God, that all of us would leave this place today glorifying you and praising the grace that you pour out to us through your Son, Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This text of Scripture is the beginning of the end. It's a way for God to say something to his people in light of everything that he's already said. As I mentioned a moment ago, if you've caught many of these or even all of these messages in the book of Joel, you've seen quite a change in God's people. 
you saw in the early chapters that God said to them, you've allowed other nations to come into this land and through their greed and through your sinfulness, you've allowed them to destroy this land. Agriculture is cut down. The blessings of what God had given to his people were gone. God gave them an opportunity to turn from that sin, and they did. And the moment that they turned from their sin, God poured out blessings onto his people and then promised them the greatest gift that's ever been given in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God's personal Holy Spirit coming out into the world and inhabiting every person who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. And he promised the presence of the Spirit. And now God says, now that that message of hope is out, now that that promise has been fulfilled, now that the Holy Spirit has inhabited the land and you've heard the message, now it's time to decide. And I have no doubt in my mind that every person in this room is one or the other of what we see in this text of Scripture today. Now, you may not believe that. You may not see yourself the way that God describes these people in Joel chapter 3, but I hope as we walk through it, And I hope that as God speaks to your heart today, that it will resonate with your soul and you will say, yes, I am one of these two. There are decisions to be made. And here's the first one. The Bible teaches us today that you can either revolt against the Lord or I'll get to the other one in just a moment. The first decision is you can revolt against the Lord. That is, as God says to these people of all nations everywhere, you can make a decision today about how you want to treat God. It's obvious. In every section of Scripture, all throughout the Bible, it's painfully obvious that God is holy and we are not. God makes it clear, I'm going to judge your sin, and in the process... You're going to be forever separated from me because of that sin unless you turn from that sin and trust in a sacrifice that I'll provide my one and only son. God, throughout all of Scripture, gives us a way out. God always gives us the chance to turn from our selfishness to turn to Him. But in this text of Scripture, what has become obvious is that there are people still left on the planet that might know what God offers in their head, but their heart is angry. Their heart is wicked. Their heart is sinful. And their decision today is, I'm going to war with God. Now, some of you in here are at war with God. Some of you have picked up a sword. Some of you have picked up a spear or some kind of a defensive weapon. And you spend every waking hour of your life doing battle against the one true and living God. You say, well, Pastor, that's not me. Really. Some of you are at war and you don't even know it. But listen to what God says to all of these People, he says, proclaim, verse 9, among the nations, consecrate for war, 
Stir up the mighty men, the men of war. Let them beat their plowshares into swords and pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am a warrior. God says, get everything you can. Get every weapon you can grab a hold of. Let even the weakest and the most insignificant decide today, I am a warrior. I'm going to do battle. In a sense, in these first couple of verses, God is saying to these people, bring it on. Come on. Bring it to me. Whatever you have, whatever you want to do, whatever's in your mind, in your heart, whatever battle you want to do, bring it to me. I'll be right here. Now God continues. He says in verse 12, the nations stirred themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That sounds like a great place to gather, doesn't it? But it's one nation telling another nation, hey, are you guys going to do battle? Yeah, I think I'm going to go do battle. Hey, do you think that together we can take God down? Yeah, I think together we can take God down. Hey, I have a whole bunch of swords that look like this. Oh, I have a whole bunch of shields that look like this. Hey, how about we go to the valley of Jehoshaphat? That's a great place to meet up. See, this valley, by the way, runs between the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane. In that valley, the Bible says, this Kidron Valley is a place where nations are going to gather to do war against God. The book of Revelation says that there's another battle of epic proportion that's going to happen in the valley of Armageddon. Nations are going to assemble together and together they're going to say, we're going to take God down. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting in church on Sunday morning, you're thinking, that's not a great idea. I don't know where they came up with this idea, but who thinks they can win against God? And some of you are thinking, you know, that's kind of mean. It's kind of mean of God to just sit there and let all these nations come, and then He's just going to stomp them, and He's going to kill them, and He's going to destroy them. Let me explain to you the character of God. When you look just in the book of Joel, you have people that are sinning. These people belong to God. What does God do for them? He tells them to stop. He tells them to wake up and realize what they're doing. God sends one minor wave of judgment their way, takes away all of their agriculture, takes away all of their crops, and He says, more is coming if you don't quit. God's people said, we better listen to God because we can't win like this. They turn from their sin and God takes the blessings of heaven and dumps it out onto them. That's just two chapters in one book. Think of all of the nations on the planet that have no history with God whatsoever, think for just a moment, if they read the book of Joel, if they were aware of what God did, wouldn't some of them say, hey, I bet God would do that for us. I bet if I turned from my sin, I bet if our nation turned to God, I bet God would dump blessings on us the way He did for them. 
You see, that's how God works. Some of you that used to do battle with God, some of you that used to do what you wanted to do, and you woke up every morning telling God what your plan was, and you looked God in the face and you said, hey, don't mess with me today. I've got a great plan. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Just leave me alone. Those of you that used to live that way and finally got to that moment when you said, it's not worth it. I can't win. And you laid down all of this stuff and you turned to God. Those of you that used to do war against God are a shining witness to those that are doing battle every day. You say to people, just like God's people in Joel chapter 1 and Joel chapter 2, you can't win. You will waste your life. You will waste your time. You will waste your energy. You will never have blessings from your own hand like you would ever have from the hand of God. You can't do it on your own. You can't make it through. You can't make every decision right. You can't live a perfect life and just stay free of all kinds of pain and problems. You need God like I need God. And the problem is some of us aren't that shining of an example after all. Some of you that know Christ personally have given your life to Jesus are still trying to do things on your own. You're still trying to make it through whatever problem, whatever challenge, whatever issue, and people that don't know God are looking at your life and they are confused. They don't understand a decision that you made some years ago that you say that you came to know Jesus personally and they don't see the evidence in your life. What does God do? The Bible says in verse 12, Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. He says in verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decisions. Some of you are doing battle against God today. And God is telling you, you can't win. Some of you are trying to do it your way. Some of you are trying to be patient with God until He comes around and see things your way. Some of you are saying, God, listen, if you'll just leave me alone, let me do my thing. If you would just approve of what I think is best, that would help me out a lot. And you are trying as best you can to wage war against God to wear Him down so that you win. Friend, let me introduce you to a concept that we all need to understand. God is eternal. You are not. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because God is holy, He must judge our sin. But you see, God judges our sin because He has to. God saves you because He wants to. 
And the moment that you realize that God's heart and desire is not to crush you because of your sin, but to crush His own Son as a sacrifice to save you from your sin, that's when you'll have real victory. Sometimes people have extra close relationships with their animals, their pets. And you act like you can communicate and they understand and you understand them. And if that's the world you live in, that's fine. If that helps you to sleep at night, okay. But there's one particular family that lived in Washington, state of Washington, back in 1999. Mrs. Davis went into the bathroom, took a bath, got out of the bathtub and began to get dressed and had her robe on and all of a sudden her dog just bounced into the bathroom. That's not unusual. She was used to it. They've had this dog forever. But the dog started barking at her. She told him to hush. The dog bit her on the arm and started pulling her toward the door and the harder she tried to take her arm out of his mouth, the harder he clenched down. Now this was unusual for him. This was a gentle pet. But the dog began to pull her toward the door. She got to the bathroom door, opened it, and smoke just flew into the bathroom and she saw flames all down the hallway. She realized in that moment that her dog was trying to save her and rescue her from a burning house. He guided her down the hallway and would not let her leave his side. They finally made it to the front door and she got five steps off of the porch and realized that she left her car keys inside and was going to move her car. She turned around, took one step toward the door. The dog got between her and the door and snarled and growled at her. She finally backed away from the porch. They made it another ten steps and boom, the house blew up. Now that dog knew something she didn't know. And that dog sensed something that she didn't sense. And their family pet became more than just an average dog. That day he became a savior. There are some of you all that are walking up and down a house that's about to blow up. You are walking through life thinking, I got this. No problem. Nothing to see here, nothing to worry about, no issue at all. You wake up every day trying to convince God that you have it all under control, that there's no problem, and you bring all of these weapons against God and you are constantly fighting against His will. And the whole time, God is not sitting there laughing at you he is bringing message and conviction and Christian friends and even a, a, a good pastor to grab you by the wrist and lead you out of that burning house and saying, it's not worth it. You can't win. The only thing you have to look forward to is a massive explosion and you will lose everything you have. Stop fighting against God. Stop fighting against His will. Stop trying to convince God to bend His will to meet yours. 
lay down your weapons and agree with God. And whatever it is that's causing you to fight against Him, His will and His way is always best. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Look at these last two verses in this text of Scripture. And you'll see the second decision that you can make. You can either revolt against the Lord or you can find refuge in the Lord. Some of you that have done so much battle trying to win against God need to realize today why God even created you in the first place. You see, God did not make you to fight against Him. God created you in His likeness so that you and He might have eternal fellowship together. A relationship that is so unlike any other aspect of all of His creation. And here's what God says. It says in verse 14, Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. And he says in verse 16, The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to His people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Those of you that are fighting, those of you that are busy spending your life trying to convince God to let you have it your way, here is what God does. All God has to do to create anything is speak. And all God is going to do to destroy everything is speak. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to, with His own hands, do anything. He is literally going to speak and His will is going to be done. You are sitting in this place today because God spoke things into existence. You are here today because God holds every aspect of every fabric, every molecule of the universe in the palm of His hands, and you exist because God is holding you. And all God has to do is say a word, and it's gone. Everything. Everything you've worked for. Everything you've put on the wall. Everything you've put in the bank. Everything you've created, every great idea you've ever had, every aspect of your little kingdom that you've built, in one word, God can destroy it all. And He will. Because the only thing God wants out of this world is you. And the only thing God desires is to have a relationship with you. Nothing else matters. So when the Bible says that God speaks and roars from Zion, God is sitting on His holy hill looking down upon a world infested with sin and says, I don't want any of that, but I want Him. I want her. I want them. I want her. I want Him. He doesn't want anything that has been damaged by the world, and that includes anything that you have, anything that you've done. Because at the end of the day, 
Even the Bible says all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Nothing you've built can get you one millimeter closer to heaven. No word that you speak, no kingdom that you build, no degree that you earn, no great things that you've done, no matter how many pies you've made for your neighbor, no matter how many times you've done good deeds, no matter if you've only sinned a little and been a really good boy, you are infested with sin. And God wants you free from it. You can either revolt against God because of your sin, or you can run to Him and give up. Notice the Bible says in verse 16, The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to His people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Friend, this is you. God will shake everything else except you. God will break everything down except you. Because He wants you. He loves you. He's not interested in your kingdom. He wants you to be a part of His. He's not interested in the weapons that you can create. He wants you to take His. Listen, Jesus said, Come to Me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you for it's easy and light and learn from me. Some of you need to stop fighting against God and start standing behind Him and let Him do the battle. Some of you need to put down your foolish, selfish weapons and instead pick up the Word of God and be filled with the Spirit of God. Some of you need to lay down all of the thoughts, the ideas, the dreams, the plans that you have and say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Some of you need to stop fighting and revolting against God. And you need to find refuge in Him. So many times we spend our life trying to make something of ourselves when the whole time all God wants to do is to make something with us. We spend our whole life trying to do something for God in the same breath all God wants us to do is to accept what He's done for us. I hate to say it, it was a cute video. It shouldn't have been a cute video because something bad could have happened. But those of you that have had toddlers or have raised toddlers or some of you that may know a toddler, you know that taking them anywhere in public can be dangerous. There was a mom this past week who took her three-year-old son to the Atlanta airport. And while she's standing at the ticket kiosk to get her ticket, she says, I just looked away from him for one second. How many great mom stories start like that? I took my eyes off of them for one second. There's video evidence, by the way. It was a little more than one, but that's neither here nor there. She's at the kiosk punching in everything, and the little toddler leaves her side, goes past the unmanned ticket counter, sees this funny-looking black conveyor belt, and says... 
that looks like a fun ride. And he just climbed right on up there, and boom, he was gone. Now, if you've ever seen those before, you know that they're little pieces of black rubber that are hanging, and you don't know what's on the other side. He didn't either, but he found out. He goes through that little chute. He goes down a conveyor, and he's just watching like it's a parade, and people are just watching him go by. You can see him try to climb over some luggage that, that's coming at him because he's trying to get back the other way. Finally, well, a big purple suitcase just takes him out, and off he goes. He goes down a little part of the chute. He goes down a conveyor, and all these people are rushing to try to grab him. It must have taken 15 seconds to him. It felt like an hour. All he had was a little bruised hand. But he went on the ride of his life that could have ended badly. You see, he had no idea what was on the other side of that conveyor belt. He had no idea if there was something that did anything to that luggage. If there was some kind of machinery that would take its arms down and grab the luggage. He had no idea how fast that conveyor was going to go once it went through that little hole. He had no idea if it was going to go up, down, sideways, if he would be flung off or crushed. All he knew, that looks like fun. Unfortunately, that's a lot of how we make decisions in life. The best place for that three-year-old to be, right there by mama. Is that more fun than getting on a conveyor belt and going on the ride of your life? He didn't think so. But if he had gotten dangerously hurt, the lesson would have been crystal clear. The best place to be is right there next to mom. For too many of us today, we're trying to play a game with God to see how can I stay close to God but have as much fun as I can doing dangerous stuff. We're playing this game of, well, I know I belong to God, but He won't mind if I just step away and go for a ride. I'll be back, I hope. It won't take too long. I don't think. I'm sure I won't get hurt. Maybe. But God won't mind. Friend, do you know why God wants you to stand next to Him? You know why God is not interested in you going out exploring and doing stuff and going places that you don't know what's going to happen? Do you know why God wants you to stay right there? Some of you think, well, it's because God just wants to control my life. No, it's because God wants to keep you from the things that are going to destroy you. And He knows the safest place to live is right next to Him. Some of your homes some of your hearts, some of your businesses, some of your relationships, some of your attitudes are far from being right next to God. And you can either live the rest of your life waging war against God, or you can lay all of that stuff down and stand right next to Him and say, God, 
thank you for the blessing of keeping me safe. How many of you today need to lay something down? Stop fighting against God and say, God, I want your will. I want your way. I want what you want for my life. How many of you today need to stop revolting against God and instead run to Him and embrace Him and let Him embrace you and find joy in the refuge and the safety of the arms of God? We all have a decision to make. And it's time to make that decision if you haven't already. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the grace and mercy that you give to us in the decisions that we make. Father, we realize that the decisions sometimes that we make are not according to your will. They're not in line with your word. And Father, sometimes those decisions bring harm and destruction and hurt to our life and to the lives of others. Father, if there is just one here today that has never come to know Jesus personally, I pray, God, that today you would draw them to yourself. And God, that today they would make that decision to stop running away from you, but trust in Jesus personally. God, if there are some in this room that have come to know Christ personally, but are still from time to time doing war with you and have yet to really lay everything down to trust in Jesus with certain decisions in their life or certain issues they're facing. God, would you call even your children today by name and remind them who they are and that they belong to you. And teach them, Father, to trust only in you. Father, we thank you for the gift of your grace and pray that during this time that you would lead us to make decisions to bring glory and honor to Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.